Pastor Xavier Reese and prayer that counts. One night, Mikey's parents overheard his prayer. He said, now I lay me down to rest and hope to pass tomorrow's test. If I should die before I wake, what's one last test I have to take? That's not the way you and I are to pray for spiritual perception, but rather to be filled with the knowledge of His will so I can excel in this test. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Sure, what pastor wouldn't like to reach more people, have enough in the offering to meet the budget, be involved in the community, and be there in the time of need? But according to Pastor Xavier Reese, those issues must take a back seat to the true calling of the shepherd. Let's find out more as we join him for today's study, The Prayer of Every Pastor. Paul the Apostle opened up in the usual letter writing of the day and with prayer of thanksgiving where he told the Colossians that he and Timothy were giving thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, always on their behalf since the day they had heard of their faith in Christ and love towards all the saints because of the hope laid up for them in heaven as proclaimed by the gospel. And then as he moves on in verse 6, he acknowledged that the very gospel they had embraced was bringing fruit in their lives as it was in all the world where it had been proclaimed. This news had come through Epaphras, which Paul identifies in verse 7 as a dear fellow bond slave, a faithful minister or servant of Christ on their behalf, especially their love in the Spirit. And without doubt, Epaphras here is the pastor of the church uh, at the end of the epistle, chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, he expresses his will and desire that the Colossians be filled with the complete will of God. That was his focus. That's why he was there at Roman prison. The heresy had come in, and he was afraid for his flock, and he was seeking counsel and direction from Paul. Now, having finished with his prayer of thanksgiving, you would think Paul would move on, but instead he breaks out into a prayer now of intercession for the Colossians. And it's marked by four things. You can never pray enough. I think that's one of our biggest failures, I included, is we do not pray enough and we don't pray biblically. Let me read the passage for you. For this reason, we also, since the day that we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to the glorious power, His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now, his petition is fourfold. First, prayer for their spiritual perception, verse 9. Secondly, prayer for their spiritual posture, verse 10. Thirdly, prayer for their spiritual power, verse 11. And fourthly, prayer for their spiritual praise, verse 12. Now let's begin here with the very first petition. Notice in verse 9, prayer for their spiritual perception. First, the prompting of Paul's intercession for the Colossians was that he and Timothy had heard of their genuine faith in Christ. Mark that well. The phrase for this reason looks back to the previous verse. 
the fact that Epaphras had told Paul and Timothy of the Colossians' love in the Spirit. Paul mentions hearing of their faith numerous times, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6. Now again, he makes reference to it here. Paul and Timothy had been praying for them since the day they had heard of their faith. Notice that. They always had been praying for them, but now he's focusing on the problem at large. Something that you and I need to keep always in mind. Paul knew that once they had been born again, they entered a spiritual warfare and they needed to be prayed for even more. Often we pray for people who don't know Christ. We're praying for our loved ones, our friends. And once they become saved, we say, oh, okay, that's it. We forget about them. You know, you have a baby. You bring them home. You got to care for them. (laughs) They need prayer more than ever before. Something we need to keep in mind. Paul more so now, knowing the attacks of the Colossian church, who were attempting to dethrone Christ from the sum total of his deity, which he possessed through this heresy. Notice Paul declares that they did not cease to pray for them and ask God for them. Jesus says, please ask in John. Jesus uses the word for our asking God in persistent prayer when he said, ask and it shall be given to you in Matthew 7, 7. The Apostle Paul uses both general prayer and specific for the Colossians, knowing the particular needs and circumstances of the false teaching. You and I pray best when we pray specifically. Sometimes there's general things we pray, but God wants us to pray with a bullseye. You know what? I pray that God give me wisdom this week. So people can be praying specifically. You don't have to go into detail, but so they're praying for you. It's important. This was Paul's practice for all the saints and evidence of all of his epistles. You can look at Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, always praying, always praying for them. Now notice, secondly, the particular position or petition was that they may be filled with the knowledge of his will. This is the key thing. So in verse 9 here, we have the petition, that they be filled with the knowledge of his will. Paul uses two words that the heretics were using to teach that the Colossians needed, secret and mysterious knowledge to be initiated into beyond Jesus Christ. The first word here is filled, which means to fill to the completeness or to the top, the idea of being totally filled and having no more room. Now, it is used in Matthew's gospel over and over again for the, this was in fulfillment of the prophecy, in fulfillment of prophecy, totally, completely fulfilled. It is used of the odor, you remember, of the ointment that filled the room when Jesus' feet were anointed in John 12, 3. The whole room was filled. The other word, notice, is knowledge, epinosis, which means thorough or full or complete knowledge. That which grasps the individual, and it's a mark of maturity. Not just information, not just general thing. This is not the worldly knowledge now. It stands in contrast to it. It's not the knowledge of philosophy, tradition, or principles of the world by which always are contrary to Christ. And he speaks about that in chapter 2, verse 8. He warns about that. We'll get to that. This is knowledge that is contained in God's word about himself, about man, about sin, about the things of God. This knowledge would help them see through the deception and to oppose it. That's what the word of God would do. Now, the knowledge is specific. Notice the knowledge of God's will. Because too many Christians are into just biblical knowledge. And they think they're walking encyclopedias. And when you see them coming, you want to go the other way. It implies that the will of God can be known and obtained. Mark that well. It's not hidden. 
It corrects the false teaching of the heretics as they were attempting to detour the Colossians from the complete will of God, which is Christ Jesus for the most part. If you're in Christ, you can have the will of God revealed to you. Often the question is, people say, what is the will of God for my life? Well, you'll find it in the Bible. The will of God is revealed in the Word of God. Not in your emotions, not in lightning, not in thunder, but in the Word of God. Now, notice Paul qualifies this knowledge in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The word wisdom, as you know, Sophia, implies general, the general principle of broad intelligence, okay? A wise person is kind of well-rounded. They have a good handle on, on the whole of life. It is used six times in the letter. Vines describes it as having insight into the true nature of things and there as having a broad and full intelligence. So we don't settle for just information. We want to know how that information fits, how it can be combined to bring about the best results. Ask God wisdom. By the way, this understanding, spiritual understanding, is guaranteed and assured to the believer by the fullness of Christ in chapter 2, verse 2. He says, their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. It's assured. We can have it. Knowledge without wisdom and understanding is destructive. The combination is spiritual apprehension, comprehension, and application of God's word to one's life. In contrast to fleshly wisdom. You cannot even compare them. One night, Mikey's parents overheard his prayer. He said, now I lay me down to rest and hope to pass tomorrow's test. If I should die before I wake, what's one less test I have to take? That's not the way you and I are to pray for spiritual perception, but rather to be filled with the knowledge of his will. Are you always praying, Lord, pass this one up? Or are you saying, Lord, fill me with the knowledge of your will so I can excel in this test? Okay? Each of us are to pray as Paul prayed for the saints to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. We should pray for one another for this, that they be filled with the knowledge of God. The purpose of prayer is never to get my will done, but to align myself with the will of God. Hosea says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, Hosea 4, 6. The knowledge of God's will that is revealed is found in God's word, we said. Some of the things that is his will is your sanctification, that you be thankful, that you not be unequally yoked, that you not be deceived, that you love your wives, your husband, your children, that you be a fair employer, an employee, that you give him all the glory. Now some people say, well, you know, if God would appear to me, then, you know, I, I would obey. Don't fool yourself. If you're not obeying the revealed written word of God, you won't obey him if he stood before you. This is the testing ground. If you'll obey this, he'll direct and guide your steps. The will of God comes by studying the full counsel of God. Paul told that to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, 27. Doctrine and God's will go together by the words of Jesus, John 7, 17. If you want to know the, do my will, you'll know by the doctrine. We are commanded and exhorted to study. To show ourselves approved, 2 Timothy 2.15. All scriptures given by God, Theopanuso, God breathed, expired literally, 2 Timothy 
16 and 17. The book of the law should not depart from our lips. It should be meditated upon a day and night, and then we'll have good success, Joshua 1.8. Psalm 119, the entire longest chapter, if you want to call it, speaks about one thing, the word, the word, the word, nothing but the word. We are to walk in wisdom towards those who are outside redeeming the time, he says in Colossians 4.5. They're lost. They're going to hell. Their time is limited. They're walking on ice street poles. Real icy, and they can slip at any time. Solomon is a classic example of this. It was his father's prayer that God give him wisdom and understanding in 1 Chronicles 22, 12 through 13. And when Solomon came to his throne, Solomon's request for God was not money or fame. He says, give me wisdom and understanding in 2 Chronicles 1, 10. And as he ran his kingdom, a woman, two women came one night and one morning and said, listen, we, were, we made a pact. We were going to eat my son and this and that. And, you know, and she rolled over. She took my son. That was another situation. But she rolled over. This is my son. Oh, no, it's mine. He said, hey, listen, divide the kid. Give her half. Give her half. Knowing that the real mother would say, hey, give it to her. He said, take the child. Give it to her. She's a true mother. Whoa, everybody backed up. Interesting. The source of knowledge and wisdom and understanding is Christ. You go beyond Christ, you, you've gone too far. We are to teach every man in all wisdom, Colossians 1.28 says. Colossians tells us that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, chapter 2, verse 3. All, all, all. Mark all the superlatives, all, 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 all through this book. In him you're complete. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You can't get any better. Book of Hebrews, better. Good name for the book of Hebrews. Better. Who? Christ. Better than angels, better than the priests, better than the sacrifice, better than the old covenant. Just plain better. God's word is to dwell in us richly with all wisdom. Colossians 3.16. We are in Christ and he has made unto us wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.30. God will give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Ephesians 1.17 says. We are to show the angels in heaven the wisdom of God in and through our lives, Ephesians 3.10 says, as they stoop down. Wow, check this one out, Gabe. Come here. Boy, that guy's wise. The Lord gives us understanding, 2 Timothy 2.7 says. Why? Because in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And in him, you and I are complete. Nowhere else. So Paul prayed for their spiritual perception. First of all, now notice secondly, prayer for their spiritual posture. And I'm not talking about being on your knees either. First, Paul states the purpose of the previous petition, that they may walk worthy of the Lord. So the petition in verse 10 has a purpose. Here's the purpose, that you might walk worthy of the Lord. And the word walk, as you know, means to order one's behavior. The tenses and the errors. It is not descriptive, but a decisive final Step, so as to walk once and for all, corresponding to the previous eras to be filled. If you're filled, you walk. Real simple. Watch. If you fill your gas tank up, you get to drive. <laughs> One leads to the other. If you don't put gas, you can't drive. If you're filled, you walk. If you're not filled, you walk in the flesh. The request is in view of the new birth. Therefore, it's possible and obtainable. Notice the manner of walk is worthy of the Lord. And the word worthy, as you know, speaks of uh, not so much as being worthy of your own merit, but it speaks of 
proportionate way. We in our lives should be living in such a way equal to the Lord's character, Christ-like. When you say, I'm a Christian, you're saying, I'm Christ-like. That's what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. That our lives should be balanced to his character. In other words, my practice is to match my position in Christ, not that it speaks of any personal worth, as I said, but that he is living through me and I'm yielding to him. Now notice, that's not enough. The extent or degree is described as fully pleasing to him. He keeps pushing it. Why? He's up against heretics. They keep saying, well, you know, Jesus is okay. When somebody says, well, Jesus is fine, but. No buts. It's Jesus, period. All right? You be real careful. The phrase appears only this time in the New Testament. In classical Greek, it meant pleasing others before yourself. Ooh, that's good. That means you have to please God before yourself. Now, that's a life job. (laughs) That's a life endeavor. The deception is that while a person's walking, his walk may be satisfying to the scrutiny of men, but it may not be at all pleasing to God at all. Here's the deception, because he alone sees the heart. Doctrine and ethics are inseparable. Right thinking brings about right living, conduct. I notice, secondly, in verse 10, Paul states that a worthy walk has both quality and quantity. This is good. Now, the quality of the worthy walk that is all pleasing to God is one that is being fruitful in every good work. The same word is used of the Colossians' previous fruit bearing in verse 6. Now, the apostle is not saying that they weren't bearing fruit anymore, but only that their past and present bearing was to continue into the future. That's good. You're doing good? Keep it up. Keep up what you're doing and increase. The gospel bears fruit continually, present tense. This is the nature of the good news, the gospel. Once planted in the heart of the believer, it bears fruit in every good work in and of itself if we yield our members as instruments of righteousness, Romans 6, 19. It's a choice, people. It's a choice. We're in co-partnership. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling, but it's God who does and wills of his good pleasure. It's a marriage. You and I are a marriage. We're committed to each other. The long haul. You're married to a woman and a man. You're committed. You're in it for the long haul. Too many Christians go to church and they treat church like a date. No commitment. The wind blows them here and there. No commitment. They call it spirituality. God calls it something else. (laughs) Carnality. Now notice the quantity of the worthy walk. That it is pleasing to God is also one that is increasing in the knowledge of God. And the word increasing simply means to cause to grow, to augment. The context speaks about growing in the knowledge of God in the sphere in which spiritual growth takes place. So it's not enough to know that you're mature. It's enough that you stay mature and keep on maturing even more. 
The word knowledge is the same, epinosis, thorough, complete knowledge. And the believer is mature, but he needs to know that he never arrives while he's here. We just finished Philippians, chapter 3, verse 12 through 13. I want to lay hold on that for which I was laid hold of because I pressed towards the mark because as long as I'm here, I haven't arrived. So I keep on going. Always pressing forward. The clear teaching is that both must exist for it is the pleasing thing to God. Quality and quantity is God's will. Living things grow. Living things develop. Living things mature. Isn't that what you're expecting of your children? The most tragic thing for a father is to see a son or daughter never mature and become a liability to the world. And never grow up. Johnny had been misbehaving and was sent to his room. After a while, he emerged and informed his mother that he had thought it over and then said, had said a prayer. Fine, she said. She was pleased. If you ask God to help you, to not misbehave, he will help you. Oh, I didn't ask him to help me to, to not misbehave, Mommy, said Johnny. I asked him to help you put up with me. <laughs> Is this what your prayers sound like? Lord, don't worry about me. It's okay. Take care of somebody else. I'm, I'm okay right now. Then you're not really convinced that you need to grow. Apparently, you think you've arrived. You see, you have to grow. Your prayer to God has to be, God, change me for the sake of those around me. <laughs> hey? Ah, that's good prayer. The walk that is worthy and all-pleasing to the Lord is the outgrowth of being filled with the knowledge of God's will and all wisdom and understanding as the Holy Spirit is guiding his or her life. The one is connected to the other. Don't miss that. The prayers here, the four, are linked together. We are to walk in the newness of life, the Scriptures tell us. We are to walk worthy of our calling. We are to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. The negative, not in darkness, after the flesh, disorder. The positive, in the light. And the truth of Christ, his spirit, and his love. We are all children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. 2 Thessalonians 5, 5 through 6. Sight and clarity of head are essentials for walking worthy to please the Lord, which he provides. The life that is worthy of all pleasing to the Lord also bears much fruit and it remains. These are the very words of Jesus. You had not chosen me, but I chose you. And I chose you to bring much fruit and that your fruit should remain. John 15, 15, and 16. He's talking to his disciples. Are you his disciple? Then he's talking to you. He's talking to me. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. A good tree brings forth good fruit. Matthew 7, 16, and 20. Now, there's some bad winners. Some trees take a beating. But come spring, bing, leaves come out. The Father is glorified when we bear much fruit, John 15, 8. The life that is worthy and all-pleasing to the Lord is one that is growing in the knowledge of God then. Peter exhorts at the end of his second epistle, chapter 3, verse 18, that we are to grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You want to grow in grace? Grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then Paul tells us that a soldier doesn't concern himself with the affairs of life, but on how he might please the general, the one who he's fighting for in 2 Timothy 2.4.
by the way we receive in prayer because we are pleasing in His sight, 1 John 3.22 says. The scriptures tell us that before Enoch was translated to heaven, he had this testimony. Ready? He pleased God. Those who come to God must believe that He is and that He is the rewarder who will diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11, 1 and 6. Pastor Xavier Reese and the ultimate purpose of life, a life available to all who seek the Lord. Now, there's more to come, but that's next time. Now, if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can pick up a copy of this message, and the title to ask for is The Prayer of Every Pastor. It's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study. So once again, the title to ask for is The Prayer of Every Pastor, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. No matter how big your problem, there is a solution. Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 